news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, July 13th, 2023, the Feast of St. Eugenius, St. Eugenius of Carthage. He was alive during the 5th century, during the Vandals' invasion against the Catholics in North Africa. In fact, uh, the king of the Vandals, Genseric, his persecution of Catholics included the plundering of churches and the burning of at least two bishops alive. He was also the one who banished the bishop St. Quod Voltdeus and 5,000 lay people into the desert. Now, if you don't know at the time, being in the desert meant away from civilization, away from safety, and where the robbers, but not just robbers, but the elements would kill you. And I just love that name, Saint Quod Volt Deus, meaning Saint Whatever God Wills. That was his name, Quod wow. Volt Deus. Saint Eugenius unanimously was chosen as the Bishop of Carthage in 481, but during that time, Honoric was the Arian successor to the throne, and he imposed strict conditions on Catholics, including they were not allowed to convert anyone. St. Eugenius was the one who buried many martyrs who chose death over renouncing the Catholic faith. In fact, there are a number of examples of saints and martyrs who died during this time inspired by their holy bishop, St. Eugenius. Let me give you one example. Uh, many of the Catholics who apostatized from the fear of martyrdom became cruel persecutors of their faithful brothers. This is a famous case of Elipidophorus, who was appointed judge at Carthage. One day, St. Morita, who was the deacon of that city and had baptized Elipidophorus when he was a child, was brought before him. With him, Morita brought the chrismal, or the, the white garment, in which he was clothed when he was baptized. Showing it to the whole assembly, he said to the apostate judge, This garment will accuse you when God the judge shall appear in majesty on the last day. It will bear testimony against you to your condemnation. This garment that covered you when pure and unspotted, you left the waters of baptism, will increase your torment when you will be engulfed by the eternal flames." And that was the words of this great saint inspired by his bishop, St. Eugenius. And finally, after that last Arian king died, who came into power? But another Arian king, Thrasmunds, whose persecution and banishment of St. Eugenius to what is current modern-day France. St. Eugenius died in exile in 505 in the monastery that he founded. St. Eugenius and Martyrs, pray for us. Let's offer up prayers and ask St. Eugenius to give us good bishops today to inspire to inspire many martyrs and many saints because a good bishop leads his flock to heaven and a bad bishop leads his flock to hell. So more than ever before, we need to pray to St. Eugenius to give us good shepherds. Uh, but joining us right now is Tito Edwards. He's celebrating his uh, birthday yesterday. How was that? That was awesome. I had a nice steak. I uh, spent time with my wife uh, and the dogs, and uh, we enjoyed a nice sirloin, uh, loaded potatoes, sweet potato. Uh, the list goes on. We really enjoyed ourselves. 
uh, to give ourselves a little break. A little get break. a nice glass of wine with that? My wife did. I got a nice tall glass of Shiner. Ah, I see. <laughs> I see. Very nice. Very yes. nice. Well, I'm glad that you had a uh, blessed birthday. Did you uh, receive any gifts? Uh, yes. Uh, we... Uh, Oh boy, I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a birthday card. I got a there birthday go, card, and I did attend mass. So yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Before that was we get close. in any other trouble, yeah. Um, happy Thursday to you. We're almost to the weekend. Can you believe it? And before I forget, speaking of birthdays, happy birthday to Nelia. She's a faithful listener and a That's friend right. of the show. Uh, she, oh, praise be to God. See, there you go. Taylor is on the, the buttons. Uh, yes, lickety split. So very good, Taylor. Uh, happy birthday to Nelia. Happy praise birthday. be to God. You uh, are turning, I think, 30 this year. So congratulations. Wow, she's and young. You are, uh, it's, uh, to hopefully you are having a great celebration over the weekend. Or maybe you'll celebrate today. I don't know. If I was you, I'd still wait till, till, till the weekend. It's right around the corner. <laughs> uh, but I hope you have a blessed birthday birthday to you and then also before i forget because oh yeah, i've been trying to remember this and i kept forgetting i gotta say a big old howdy to catholic spirit radio who has been picking us up and been broadcasting since june and i have failed to uh, to say hello uh, we're going to be having the general manager uh, of a catholic spirit radio on the air uh, coming up at the end of the month so stay tuned in for that but Catholic Spirit Radio, God bless you, God love you, and welcome to the team. Um, now let's jump in. We have a lot that we're going to cover in today. So much coming up this hour. At 15 past the hour, did you see that America Magazine just committed a Christological heresy uh, publicly? And the reaction is good. There's been a lot of people coming out against America Magazine. So we've, I've been like, oh, that's good stuff. Uh, hopefully, some people with some authority will come down and smash this heresy at 30 past the hour Solen today uh, joins us to discuss the rioting in France and in the next hour Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today is going to be joining us to talk about Sheen's love for our lady we're going to talk about the world's first love and his other book on the seven words between Jesus and Mary so that's going to be a great time and as always we have our fear and trembling game show just so always get ready we're going to give away a prize tomorrow it's going to be a replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. So if you're going to want to jump in for that, it's going to be an opportunity to win. So make sure you're tuned in in the next hour. But let's begin in prayer. Whatever it is that you have going on in your life, we're praying for that. We're praying for Nelia on her birthday. We're praying for Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you for joining us. And we're praying for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for in a special way. Uh, we pray for all those who are suffering from human trafficking, especially children, and we pray for the conversion of those involved. And we begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, amen. O oh my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin, receive the grace of repentance and a happy death, and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory, which is nearest heaven. I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. 
Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Thursday, July 13th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Catholic World News and Channels Television are reporting Father Joseph Azubuki was kidnapped in Nigeria's Ebonyi State, according to the report. LifeNews.com is reporting after the Iowa legislature passed the heartbeat bill to protect babies from abortions, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds celebrated the pro-life measure and announced she will sign the bill into law tomorrow. 1440 is reporting Elon Musk launches new AI company XAI. Musk to hold Twitter Spaces session tomorrow with more details. John Berger of Aletea is reporting the Melkite Greek Catholic Church, one of the 23 Eastern Catholic Churches, is preparing to celebrate the 300th anniversary of his formal declaration of unity with Rome. And finally, Catholic World News is reporting Cardinal-designate Victor Manuel Fernandez El Tucho, the new prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, worked quickly to interfere in the judicial investigation into abuse allegations against Father Eduardo Lorenzo, the attorney for Lorenzo's alleged victim's charge. I am Tito Edwards, and those are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Now, the gospel for today is our Lord giving instruction to his apostles on how to preach the gospel to the Jews. This is very specific. He's specifically talking about when he's going to the Jews. This can be applied uh, more broadly, but there are a couple things in which he points out that are unique to preaching to the Jews. Now, we'll begin in verse 7 here, and this is Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. And going, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, obviously, this is very present whenever you're saying, okay, well, your primary mission is to tell people, our Lord has come, the Savior has come, the Messiah has come, the Christ has come, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a very akin to whenever we see John the Baptist, when he came preaching, saying, repent and prepare your heart for the way of the Lord. Now, in verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, this is a big deal. And we see this as a sin of simony is what he's, is what he's condemning here. He's saying, you have the ability to perform miracles. Do not charge for it. Do not charge for your miracles. So if you ever see a some any any person whether they be catholic or a protestant or anything at all if they are charging to do good things to heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out devils they are not of god for christ has asked freely you have received freely give this is very important especially the cast out devils because you can very prominently see people who pretend to be exorcists online and they will charge you for consultations and charge you to perform exorcisms. A real exorcist and a real demonologist will not charge you for those things. Now in verse nine, do not possess gold nor silver nor money in your purses. Now this is unique to the Jews whenever he's preaching to the Jews, because when they're preaching to people who are friendly, they're saying, Hey, These people are people that should hear your voice. These are the people who you should go to. And so they will provide for you. They will provide for you. So provide not for yourself. So instead, trust in divine providence. How do we know this? Because later on, when he's talking about going into the Gentiles, he gives slightly different instruction. For instance, here he says, nor script for your journey, nor two coats, nor shoes, nor staff, 
for the workman is worthy of his meat. So he's saying you're going out into these areas and people will provide for you. You're going to be doing good things and they will provide for you. This is where we get the idea of giving priest stipends. So when the priest comes to help you, he's not charging for the sacraments. He's not charging for blessing your home. But out of charity, you invite him for dinner. And out of charity, you provide him with a stipend. And this is where he gets his food. This is where he gets his meat. And so this is very important to keep in mind. Whereas with the Gentiles, there is no expectation that the apostles would receive any kind of warm welcome. So they could bring a little bit with them. And verse 11 here, and into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire in it is worthy and there abide till you go thence. This means be courteous to your host. He's telling the apostles at the first house you stop in, that's where you stay. You're not looking to find the nicest house or the best place to stay. Go into the first house you see and the first house that welcomes you and stay there until you leave. Now, Cornelius Lapide gives a exhortation saying, unless you're going to stay for a really long time, don't overstay your welcome, then go to another home. In verse 12, he says, and when you come into the house, salute it, saying, peace be to this house. So this is very simple. He's saying, bless the home. Uh, Cornelius Lapide makes the point that the apostles had not only the ability to say those words, but for those words to be efficacious, which leads to verse 13. And he says, and if that house be worthy, your peace shall come upon it. But if it be not worthy, your peace shall return to you, meaning your prayers will be efficacious. Even if you pray for those people that peace be upon their home, if they have a hardened heart and do not accept it, that prayer does not go in vain. This also shows us that our, our reception is based on our disposition. We must be ready to receive grace or we will not receive it. Verse 14 here, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words going forth out of the house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and the day of judgment for that city. This is a hard saying. This is a big deal because he says, shake off the dust on account of the impious inhabitants that you may signify, as it were, an anathema that you will have nothing, not even their dust in common with them. This is very contrary to what many people think they say whenever they say, Oh, yeah, our Lord ate and drank with sinners, so we should do likewise. Yes, we should. But on what condition? That we call them to repentance. And if they do not repent, if they reject the gospel, what do we do? We shake off our dust in a testimony against them. And they will be like Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. That means fire and brimstone. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things that the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. 
The church, like the encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's always good to be here with you today. Despite all the problems in the world, it's good to be here. Praise be to God. Now, what's really good is something I forgot was that today is July 13th, which for anybody who's devoted to Our Lady of Fatima, they would know that July 13th is the day of the third apparition of Our Lady of Fatima. So happy third apparition anniversary of the third apparition of Our Lady of Fatima. That's always a good news. So start off with some good news before we jump into this absolutely horrible news. Uh, so we'll start here. And, let's, and this is probably going to be the only thing we're going to talk about today because this is a, it's a kind of a big deal. America Magazine put out an article titled, The Eucharist is the Body of Christ, Not the Body of Jesus. What we call it matters. Now, right off the bat, this is very, very concerning wow. because they have this article behind a paywall. So the vast, vast majority of people who see this headline will see the headline and nothing else. And they're going to be saying, this is why we have people denying the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Because he's saying, the Eucharist is the body of Christ, not the body of Jesus. Um, what's the difference? <laughs> what's the difference? And it's funny because the American Magazine uh, writer here, he is uh, this priest. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it was a, it's a, a, it's priest. a priest who wrote this article. I don't know if he was a Jesuit. I assume he was. It's a Father Irwin, Father Kevin Irwin. I don't know who that is. And he uh, writes this. He starts off his article saying, Mark Twain once wrote, The difference between the almost right word and the right word is a really large matter. Tis the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. That insight has a powerful bearing on any discussion of Catholic magisterial teaching and the prayers of the liturgy, both of which are primary sources for sustaining Orthodox Catholic faith and belief. Accuracy in citing these texts and, a com and, and commenting on them is truly a large matter. Now, I'm thinking, Monsignor, Father Irwin, take your own advice. Take your own advice because words matter. In fact, if you ever study philosophy, which every Catholic priest in America anyway, I don't know if this is worldwide, is required to study at least two years of philosophy before they can go into theology. Now, I'm not sure what they're learning in their philosophy classes, because when I was taking philosophy, I was taught that the primary end of philosophy, the primary use of philosophy, is to understand things. And so that means 95% of philosophy is definitions and distinctions. Define the terms, and then make a distinction between the terms. Now, Father, explain to me what the distinction is between Christ and Jesus. What is the distinction? There is none. There is no distinction between our Lord Jesus, who is the Christ. There is no distinction. He is the Christ. There is no difference between the two. If you say, Christ saved me, 
It is the same thing as saying, Jesus saved me. That is very, very simple to understand. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It doesn't require a theology degree. Now, his article goes on. It says, to describe the Eucharist as the body of Jesus or the real presence of Jesus would be too limiting to the historical body and earthly reality of the word made flesh in the incarnate son of God. The body of Christ refers to the entirety of the mystery of the totality of Christ, his whole earthly ministry, and also his suffering, death, resurrection, ascension to the Father's right hand to intercede for us in heaven. The Eucharist is the real presence of this body of Christ, not Jesus only. Now, this is absurd to say because you're trying to say that there can be a distinction between the historical body and earthly reality of the incarnate word and everything else he did, that there can be a distinction. But no, the incarnate word is the second person of the Trinity. And this is the, the, the exact issue that was at play during the Nestorian heresy. Is there a name for this heresy? Like Docetism, maybe? Nestorianism. Nestor- no, is- no, the, the one denying Christ is, is in the Eucharist. Docetism or I Nestorianism? I don't know. Uh, maybe you can uh, look that up yeah. and tell me. But Nestorianism is the denial of Christ as the as God, as a, uh, our Lord. That our Lord was not God in His birth, in His incarnation, but became God later on. He said that uh, the idea behind Nestorianism is that Our Lady is not the Theotokos, but she is the Christotokos, that she gave birth to Christ, but not to God. But it's impossible. Our Lord is not some kind of being that is, uh, is part human and part God and 50% human, 50% God. No, our Lord is whole and entire God and man. And so whenever you say Jesus, you're referring to the total, the totality of Christ, the totality of his saving action is the totality of all that he did. It is very, very clear that this is what the church has always taught. And to say that the we have to say body of Christ rather than the body of Jesus is absurd and con- is only s- succeeding in confusing people. It only succeeds in confusing people to the reality of who Jesus is. So now people are going to be saying, oh, well then, I, I guess I-, I-, I don't pray to Jesus, I pray to Christ. What kind of absurdity is that? Did we just turn our Lord into some kind of bipolar manic? manic? This, is, this is a blasphemy. Yeah. Now, his article goes on. The body of Christ refers to the entirety of the mystery of the totality of Christ, his whole earthly ministry, but also his ascension to the Father's right hand. By saying that, he is implying that saying Jesus does not imply his whole earthly ministry and does not include his ascension to the father's right hand. So who is seated at the right hand of the father? Is it not Jesus? Is it not our Lord Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God, the father? That makes no sense. It's absurd to say, Oh yeah, Christ sits at the right hand of the father, but Jesus doesn't. No, of course When you use the holy name of Jesus, you are referring to him who sits at the right hand of God the Father. This is very, very clear. It's very, very obvious. 
Now, it is, of course, a very awful thing that a priest would be willing to come out publicly about this in the context of he's talking about the Eucharistic celebration. And he's talking about Eucharistic revival and how we need to have this understanding to make us understand the Eucharist in a more clear way. And yet all he does is obfuscate and confuse people. How can he be allowed to do something like this? I sincerely hope that somebody, namely a bishop, will come out and condemn this confusion. And this is what modernists do. We talked about this earlier in the week. Modernists will try to present things in the most confusing way possible where you can be like, oh, but he's not actually saying anything heretical. He's not actually saying something that's bad. You can read it, and clearly he's articulating the Eucharist is Christ. He's just trying to quibble with saying that that saying Jesus is not the best way. That's what he's doing. Now, this is a common use of the modernist to confuse and obfuscate in order to push heresy. He's pushing it to the line. I found it, Adrian. It's called Protestantism, when you (laughs) deny Christ in the Eucharist. So we have a Protestant teaching and writing in America well, magazine. Well, he doesn't deny Christ in the Eucharist. He denies Jesus in the Eucharist. Jesus in the and Eucharist, yeah. The, his article goes on, the Roman Missal assiduously avoids using the title Jesus without a modifier, preferring phrases such as our Lord, Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, or through Christ our Lord. For example, in the order of the Mass, the following words and phrases are used. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And he goes on from there, listing more and more. Now, this is, of course, appropriate, because we want to give someone honorifics. It's not like that's is uh, wrong to give more honorifics to God. Of course, we say Lord Jesus Christ, because what are we emphasizing? We're emphasizing that he is Lord and that he is the Messiah. and But it's not wrong if we just say, our Lord. I do that all the time. I say, our Lord. And obviously, everyone knows I'm talking about Jesus. Everyone, and I, and I try to avoid using the holy name of Jesus. And I use terms like our Lord and Christ more often, actually. The reason why I do that is because out of respect for the holy name. Because the holy name of Jesus is so powerful, is so worthy that we should avoid using it and we should surround it with honorifics because that name in and of itself is so holy. It has healed people just the name of our Lord himself. This is why the Jesuits, who the American magazine was created by, who is run by the Jesuits back in their heyday, back when they were good, they had such reverence for the holy name. In fact, they had the IHS, which is a symbol of the holy name, put on all of their things because that was where symbol that was what they were fighting for now he says this about the roman missile and the question is is he even telling the truth there is he being serious there and maybe i wouldn't i don't know he's maybe i'm not going to accuse him of being a liar but he certainly doesn't know what he's talking about uh, matthew hazel <laughs> came out and he put a a response to this and he says others are commenting on the christological issue in this article I will merely observe that the assertion by Monsignor Irwin, who is a liturgist, that the Roman Missal assiduously avoids using the title Jesus without a modifier is wrong. Here are 12 examples of the contrary. 
And he starts listing a number of them. He says, here's from Candlemas from February 2nd. He says, today is a blessed day when Jesus was presented in the temple by Mary and Joseph. At St. Bernadette's feast day, on the collect says, a great love for the holy name of Jesus. On the feast of St. Sixtus II, the collect says, for the sake of your word and in witness to Jesus. And he lists more and more um, parts in the Mass where it said this, for instance, in the post-communion, because maybe people are saying, oh, that's just in the collect. Well, in the post-communion, it says, may show forth in our mortal flesh the life of Jesus on the common of the Blessed Virgin Mary. On the common for virgins, the second one, and then for the post-communion, it says, bearing in our body the death of Jesus. So even the assertion that he makes, even the assertion that he makes that the name of our Lord is not present alone in the Mass is incorrect. So this article is incorrect on every single level. It gets factual things incorrect. And not only does it get factual things incorrect, it gets theology incorrect. It gets theology incorrect because it does not understand or just refuses to understand that our Lord is Jesus. Our Lord is Christ. This is what we call in theology the communication of idioms, that we can use different phrases to mean the same thing. It's the same way that we can say that Christ died on the cross, Jesus died on the cross, or God died on the cross. Can God die? No, of course God cannot die. But because Jesus is fully God and fully man, him who is made flesh, when he dies on the cross by his humanity, it is true to say that God died because Jesus is God. And so when you say Jesus died on the cross, you can say God died on the cross. But how did he die on the cross? Not by his divinity, but by his humanity. This is very basic Christology. Every Catholic priest in the world should know all of this. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, July 13, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. 
Catholic World News and Crux are reporting since 1983 the unsolved disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi, a teenager whose family lived at the Vatican, has been the topic of rumors in Rome. And suspicions that Vatican officials have known more about the case than they have disclosed, according to Orlandi's father, was a Vatican employee. Crux is reporting since missionary nuns of the Institute of the Poor of Jesus Christ, a Brazilian woman's order, was expelled from Nicaragua on the 3rd of July. The homeless people they used to help in the streets of Leon have been facing hunger and cannot understand why the sisters were not allowed to keep working in the Central American country. Catholic World News and Reuters are reporting. According to the report, Father Fernando Zamora, a priest who also serves in an administrative role in the northern diocese of Ciuna, was arrested on Sunday in the capital, Managua, after assisting at Mass presided by the county, country's senior Catholic leader, Cardinal Leopoldo Brenes. Nicaragua continues to persecute the church there. Crux is reporting in partnership with the International Union of Superiors General, the largest global umbrella organization of women religious, and the Conrad and Hilton Foundation. The Arise anti-trafficking organization is preparing to host an award ceremony honoring Catholic nuns engaged in the prevention of trafficking and modern slavery throughout the world. And finally, Catholic World News and the National Review are reporting a Notre Dame professor has brought a lawsuit against a student newspaper that revealed her pro-abortion activism, claiming that the coverage included defamatory and false statements. Tamara Kay, a sociology instructor, had offered to help students find abortificent pills. According to the story in the Irish Rover, she posted online that she would help as a private citizen if you have issues with access or costs. Kay acknowledged in an interview with the Irish Rover that my view runs afoul of church teaching. Hmm. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now is Solen Today. I hope she corrects me on how I'm pronouncing that. The, she's the Europe correspondent for the National Catholic Register, bringing her deep understanding of European affairs and extensive reporting on the Vatican. And she hails from Paris. Well, actually, she hails from Rome, but she's originally from Paris and a French-Swiss background. And Solen's insights on the current riots unfolding in France, I think, will be very helpful for us to understanding the, the causes, the implications and what we see today. Uh, good morning to you, Selene. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Now, it's really interesting, this whole situation. It was very confusing to me because there was a lot of different reports of what actually caused it. So let's start from the beginning. Why did these riots start? So it starts on, on June 27 with the death of the 27-year-old a uh, teenager named Nahel uh, of uh, is French of North African origin. He was killed by police fire after refusing to obey orders and attempting to flee the scene by car. Uh, so the incident took place near Paris in Nanterre. It's so-called the so-called uh, you know the suburb, the banlieue, where these you know these cities with a high concentration of immigrants or second, third generation of immigrants called sensitive because the police can, uh, you know, he's regularly in trouble there. Uh, and so after that, the policeman was placed in pre-trial detention, where he still remains today. And of course, this immediately gave rise to a wave of very strong violence that spread like 
wildfire for around a week until July the uh, 5th, more or less, with looting of stores, vehicles set on fire, buildings were damaged, police station attacked, a lot of people assaulted. And so according to a, a first estimate, three people have been killed so far during all these uh, violence riots, and some 800 police officers and gendarmes were injured. Uh, that's the first figures we have from the, the, the Minister of the Interior. Wow. Wow. That is absolutely awful. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we see these kind of stories in, in the U.S., it's always the narrative that the, the police are corrupt, the police are bad. And I don't know what the climate is in France. What is the kind of disposition in France towards police in general? Was this actually a case where this is as something that's systemically bad in France, or is this a something that's being blown out of proportion? It's true that there is a very anti-police sentiment uh, in some... Uh, so, you know, the, the population is really divided. So with all these uh, children of immigrants and also the left in France, is very, there is a very widespread anti-police sentiment that makes the situation explosive. Even after the riot passed, uh, a lot of police officers were threatened even in their own home in front of their families. A, a police officer, a woman, she was driving and she received some threats. She was with her children. So from for this reason, France is a powder a keg at the moment. It, the police was ordered by the government not to, to intervene most of the time uh, during the riots. And, and, and the left, even a lot of uh, left-wing po politicians encouraged the rioters to continue and to rebel against the police. And so, of course, these events uh, trigger even more violence, but it is a sentiment that was pre-existing hmm. uh, before uh, it was pre-existing pre before that. We had something, I should just remind that, that uh, a similar uh, crisis occurred in 2005 after the accidental death of two young delin delinquents fleeing the police, a very similar situation. The riots lasted for three weeks, and and of course every episode like that increases this kind of anti-sentiment police. But when you go to concerts, you know it's something that is considered very cool to be anti-police, anti, -police, anti uh, because they represent the 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 authority, the figure of authority in the country, and that's the the root cause of the crisis. But maybe we'll discuss that into further details. Oh, for sure, that's uh, definitely something worthy of uh, bringing up and. And discussing because it sounds like uh, the spirit of the French Revolution never went away. But uh, before we get to that, uh, there is one part of the narrative that is very unclear to me. And people are kind of bringing this up and they're debating online, especially on Twitter about this, whether or not these are race riots or religious riots or completely something different, maybe political riots. So uh, where does this fall in? It seems to me my instinct was that this very much seemed um, like very religious, uh, but that was just from what I was seeing on Twitter, and I'm in those kind of uh, Catholic circles. So obviously they're seeing everything through a religious lens. Uh, so what what's the reality there? I, I would say that it's more of a cultural thing, a uh, sociological, cultural thing. And of course, there is then the, 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 the religious components of all that, but it was not the, the trigger. You know, you have all this growing number of immigrants who don't assimilate. And paradoxically, even, even more, it is even more the case with the second and third, fourth generation of uh, immigrants who tend to hate France deeply, their host country. 
In our case, it's explained partly with the colonial past and the wars of the 20th century, notably between France and Algeria. The relations can be still difficult, but it's a question of education. You know, from school benches onward, teachers and school curricula place the emphasis on the darker, darkest aspects uh, of French past, teaching children to hate France as a racist, slave-owning, unjust country. And the problem is that in a democracy, children must be educated for freedom, and it's less and less the case. We have a very famous, very good Catholic philosopher in France, Chantal Del Sol. She wrote a very interesting article in the in the midst of the crisis saying that it was above all a crisis of the parent figure the loss of the family strength and she said that the, these riots remind us of the importance of fathers and the, in the family uh, education and blindness to the role of the family goes all goes a long way to to explaining the high proportion of young people among the rioters so we have you know it's there are many factors that explain the current situation, like the lack of assimilation of immigration, yeah, the religious factor, because most of them are Muslims. But, you know, it's a multi, we cannot understand the whole phenomenon through the lens of just one factor. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty bad. We're, we're about to go to a break in just about a minute. Um, but when we come back, I want to cover... Uh, the topic of in depth about more of the uh, the roots of the problems and how we can get to solutions. But uh, uh, one last question before we go to break is: uh, In France, is it safe right now? Like, if people wanted to travel to France, is that going to be dangerous for them? How widespread um, were the riots in general, and uh, what's the kind of feeling there now? I know you mentioned it's like a cow powder keg. Uh, so, what would what would you say? So right now, the situation is uh, pretty calm. It's, it has nothing to do with the, 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 last, the last week. But, the, the, you know, the, the Bastille Day, the July 14th weekend, promises to be a high-tension uh, moment throughout France. We don't know what is going to happen. Like I said, you know, everything is so uncertain. There are going to be an exceptional number of people deployed, like policemen, authorities deployed, in an attempt to contain further conflagrations in the coming days but you know yeah like you mentioned like you repeated the, the situation is very uh it's it's difficult to to control mm -hmm. right when we come back we're going to cover more with celine about the situation in france uh, what are some of the root problems and how can we find solutions we'll be right back Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. 
Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. And joining us right now is Solène today. And I hope I'm saying I'm really bad with, with French, uh, French pronunciation. Tadier. Yes, Tadier. There we go. There we go. Tadier. Uh, and I just, I just butcher, butcher French. I get emails from people from French speaking Americans and and they were like, Adrian, you butcher the French language. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I barely speak English. It's, it's my first language. Uh, so give me a, give me a break. Uh, <laughs> but, but we were talking about the situation in France. The, the riots finally settled down. And we're kind of analyzing uh, what happened. And so you mentioned before that there's kind of this sentiment in France about this kind of anti-authoritarian uh, or anti-authority, and which was very interesting to me because when I was reading some articles about this, I read about uh, Vincent Jean Brun, who's the mayor and whose home was attacked by rioters, and they fired rockets at his fleeing wife and children, breaking her leg and injuring one of the children. And I was just absolutely flabbergasted that this that this happened. I, I just just shocked. Uh, so tell me about this uh, this anti-authority uh, kind of um, mentality. Yes, it's uh, it's a dominating uh, sentiment right now, and I, I was yeah I was quoting uh, the words of Chantal Del Sol, who wrote this this fantastic uh, opinion column denouncing the crisis of the authority, the parent figure, and and she reminded that in a democracy, in order for democracy to be properly functioning, education is in freedom is fundamental. So self limits, self limitations, and it's something that we no longer teach our children. We, so they just can, uh, cannot bear frustration. And speaking of that, I would mention also a, a good priest. We didn't, maybe we'll discuss that, but the church authorities were not very present in all the, the discussions, but we had a very good priest uh, who was involved in all that. He's used to that. He's been working for years uh, in, in prisons. He's a, Parish priest in in Essen as uh, and chaplain uh, in still chaplain in a prison, and so he also wrote a long piece explaining that it's a bubble of refusal to accept authority, whether that's of the state, but especially the police and parents, and he also highlighted the fact that fewer and fewer people can stand frustration, and too many adults, but especially teenagers, find it unbearable when a desire is not fulfilled. You know, we've created this. This generation, we've created these uh, these people who are not no longer educated for freedom. So they're basically just preparing themselves to, to accept a dictatorship because, of course, they they cannot contend themselves. They attack. They whenever they have freedom, they just uh, you know they they they, they will just uh, ruin it. And it's particularly true for young people who have been brought up in the absence of any real authority. Uh, and all these, you know, these suburbs uh, I, I mentioned, you know, like all these these banlieues around big cities, 
And it is also tested by the fact that 30% of all the people arrested, we had like around 3,000 3, people arrested and 30% of all those were minors. And so all, all kind of frustration sentiment is now transformed into, into violence. And that's what Father Dubijon was saying, Father Benoit Dubijon. Uh, you know, we need to learn to live with frustration. It's a whole education that must take place again. And all too often, violence is not even the first level of language. It's becoming the, the first level of language when it should be the last level of, of language. And that, that's he said that he was very scared about that. Hi, Celine. This is Tito uh, Edwards. I'm the co-host along with Adrian. I have a question regarding uh, another aspect of the root, what may be the root problem in France. I, I've read a lot of Michel Hollebach and, uh, and Zamor, but, but I, I think the C, I think that the problem may be the family. Is there a, a, a problem with the nuclear family deteriorating in France? I, I noticed that the, the mother of uh, Nahel is single. Yes, that, that's what I was saying. You know, the, 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 the lack of, uh, of a parent figure, of fathers. We know we have destroyed, we have diminished the symbol of family for decades. And I was explaining that it, it takes place from the, 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 the earliest stage of life in, in, in schools. When you're six, seven, you're already taught that uh, you must, that start, starting with the fact that children don't belong to their parents, but they belong to the state. And then the state doesn't even teach these young children to respect authority. So how how do you deal with the consequences of what you created? That That's a big problem. And that's where the church could have a great role to play right now. Uh, and, and so the church during this crisis had a limited involvement. Just one bishop, Mathieu Rouget, uh, who is actually the bishop of Nanterre, had a role. He really uh, took a public stance. He launched an appeal with other religious authority for calm on June 20, 29. And right away, he was, you know, it has an, it had an impact. Uh, this text was adopted by other religious leaders. And in the following hours, uh, it was so spread by other representatives, even like a Muslim, Muslim, Muslim communities. And it had a real impact. What, was that and, Archbishop Ulrich you mentioned? It's, it's Bishop Rouget, Rouget, Bishop of Nanterre, the place where where Nael was killed. Ah, so that place near Paris, so this suburb that's oh, very well done. sensitive. They call it like politically correctness, like a sensitive suburb. Mm. And and so Mathieu Rouget was there because he was the bishop of the place. And he was the only, let's say, church authority who took a public stance. And he also did so in his homily on July the 2nd, proposing rediscovery the mystery of the cross, the only capable, uh, the only one capable of guiding us towards peace. Well Amen. done. Amen. You know, the, 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 I love the phrase, uh, Ave Crux Pes Unica, hell, the cross, our only hope, and a very beautiful, a beautiful saying. But, you know, it's interesting because France has this uh, pretty, they two traditions that are, that are present now, and I guess one is tradition, one's anti-tradition, the uh, tradition of being the eldest daughter of the church, and the other tradition of the French Revolution and now we see uh, even after as like July 8th, July 9th, and we were seeing churches being burnt down in France and all the reports are saying they have no idea who's doing it, though in one case they caught a man who they don't describe in any way who it was who did the burning, uh, the attempting why. burning. And 
I, we see this, and you're talking about this crisis of fatherhood, of motherhood, of families, and yet, what is the church but a, a mother? And what is the church but a patriarchy with Christ the King as the ultimately the father? And so, what do we see here? And what, what's your analysis of this? Yes, once again, you have different authors of these attacks against churches. You have yes, these it can be a religious an attack of a religious nature, which that happens a lot with among Muslim communities. Some Muslims will attack churches because because of what it represents but you also have a lot of anti-clerical people uh from the people from far-left movements and they will burn down churches and sometimes they write you know good church is a is a church that burns and so you 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 have this very anti-religious sentiment and sometimes there is a convergence of fights of battles on the ground like with the far left uniting with muslim communities fighting against France, but they don't even realize that the left doesn't realize that it's a very dangerous game they're playing because eventually these ex- Muslim extremists will not rally them because they hate them even more than they hate the, the rest of France. So, you know, we have a very multifactorial crisis that is difficult to anal- analyze, but we need to understand these different, uh, different issues. Even in the Catholic world, it's true that the the, the crisis of Catholicism in France is also a crisis of transmission within families because parents no longer transmit the Catholic values to their children. And that explains the loss of ground of the church in France. Also, of, of course, we have crisis scandals, sexual abuse, but, you know, they are just more like they are just additional triggers for the loss uh, of authorities of, of authority of the church on the ground. But but we have a deeper crisis that is the the the, the crisis of transmission the crisis of the family the the like like you say fatherhood motherhood and and that explains why you have so many non-religious people growing it's becoming almost a majority in france those without a religion and in a few decades according to several sociologists they wrote about that on the national catholic register islam will probably become the first religion in france and the first religion will be the non-religious people, people wow. with no no religious so no sad. religion at all. Now that's mm-hmm. that is absolutely tragedy. Considering you think about you think about France, and we think of the land of miracles. We think of the fact that Saint Catherine of Labouret receiving the miraculous medal. We think of Our Lady of Lords and Saint Bernadette. We think of Saint Teresa Therese of Lisieux, and there's like dozens of other saints that we could mention. But just off the top of my head, those three come straight to mind. How about Joan of Arc? So many things. A cure of ours. How many saints have come through this area and has done so many miracles in this land? What is the solution? How can uh, France have a return uh, to their patrimony? There is at the same time a very strong movement that is resisting that trend. And so I, in my previous report about the crisis of Catholicism in France, I also showed that you have a very strong pocket of resistance of people. Those who are resisting this trend tend to be more traditional. They sometimes go to the Latin mass, but they can be also uh, more uh, charismatic, but they are very strong in their faith, in their practice. In, they, they want, uh, the, the, you know, some, some, some clear rules to uh, lead their lives. And it's also a growing phenomenon in France. It's just that it's not growing as fast as other, as other 
tendencies. But, you know, in the, the age of the crisis, we don't know what people will do. It's also possible that we are going to have a mass conversion back to the Catholic Church because we are going to change also our model. But the church has a very important role to play. And during the COVID crisis, the church was most of the time not on the ground. They were not present. And that was lamented by a lot of faithful. And I think the church should really not miss that opportunity against this crisis that we're going through on very different levels. It's an it's opening an avenue for church leaders for, of tomorrow, for to, of today, of tomorrow. And this is an opportunity that shouldn't be missed. Absolutely. So thank you very much. We're just about out of time. Where can people, thank if they you. want to connect with you, uh, find more information? So you can uh, follow me on, on Twitter. You can follow my uh, articles on the National Catholic Register, Catholic News Agency uh, from time to time, too. And yeah, and feel free to uh, leave some comments. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, thank you very much, Celine Tadier. Hopefully I said that right this time. But God bless you. God love you. And have a wonderful day. God bless. Have a lovely day. And that's going to do it for the first hour. We're going to go into the second hour. And joining us in the second hour is going to be Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. We're going to be talking about Bishop Sheen and his devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's funny because I'm actually just started reading The World's First Love by Fulton Sheen. As it turns out, I had uh, had this book in the past, but for some reason, somebody gave me an abridged version, and I didn't even know there was an abridged version, and I so I never actually read this book, and I thought I did, and so it was missing like a hundred pages. So I'm going to be reading uh, the world's first love for the first time. So I'm going to be talking. We're going to talk to Alan Smith about that coming up in just one moment. So don't go anywhere. God bless you. God love you, and we'll see you in just one moment. in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. My name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. It was a great conversation talking about situation in France. Sounds a lot like America, to be it honest. It does. Though, I guess it makes sense because the French Revolutionary errors are the same errors of the American Revolution. So... It all kind of connects together. The French Revolution was a more radical version of the American Revolution. The American Revolution, I guess, predates the French Revolution. But um, the ideas came from France. where we, we imported the ideas of the French Revolution to the United States. So there, it makes a lot of sense that we'd have a lot of similar issues. Uh, but uh, we're, we're done talking about issues for today. No more issues today. Instead, we're going to talk about something positive. Uh, joining us right now is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. We're going to be talking about Sheen's love for Our Lady, which I'm thinking, yeah, that's a much better conversation to have, much more positive. A lot of bad news. Let's get to some good news. Good morning to you, Mr. Smith. Oh, good morning, Adrian. Good morning. It's great to be here. I've got the first summer cold, so we've got the, the baritone voice today, but still, um, our Lady loves us, no matter what we sound like. So uh, that's what uh, Fulton Sheen uh, reminded us, is that she loves us. And we can have a good relationship with the Blessed Mother if we choose to do so. And I think that's what we always challenge people, is we talk about your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, how about a personal relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary? She's mm. your mother. So uh, let's start. Let's amen, start. amen. I was just saying before we uh, went to the second hour that... I had uh, thought that I had read The World's First Love when I was younger and when I was in high school, uh, but it turns out somebody gave me an abridged version of it, and I didn't know that they published an abridged version, and so I was kind of upset by that, so I picked it up and literally just started reading it right before you sent me the topic saying that, uh, oh, let's talk about uh, Sheen's devotion to Our Lady, and I was like, that's perfect. I'm literally on page 20 of uh, World's First Love, so that's a great conversation, so let's start at this book first, The World's First Love. Sheen says this is his favorite book. So tell me about this. Right. Uh, Sheen penned this book in 1952. Uh, he had spent uh, 20 plus years on the Catholic Hour radio program. Uh, he was just getting ready to start his television career in those many years with 30 million viewers each week. Uh, but still, I think Fulton Sheen wanted to make sure that he had written, uh, again, his um, little thesis on Our Lady uh, and, of course, distributed to the whole world. So he penned this in 52 uh, because, again, he was starting his uh, role as a bishop. And, of course, uh, his his actual bishop's motto um you know everybody has a coat of arms uh and his coat of arms says uh or <laughs> my latin's not good this morning uh, but it's basically that i may come to christ through the mother mm -hmm. so he was saying my papal coat of arms 
I am going to have, uh, I'm going to come to Jesus through Mary. And so, of course, you have to have a book with that too. But uh, again, he put it into writing. And many of these reflections uh, in the book are from his Catholic Hour radio addresses where he spoke about Our Lady. And uh, again, you are right. He does. He did say that this was his favorite book to write uh, because I think when you look at Fulton Sheen and the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, they're inseparable. They, they really, he spoke so kindly of her uh, on the radio, on television. Um, you just say, you know, he loves his mom. He really loves his mom. Now, I want to get your commentary on this passage. And this paragraph itself just it struck me, and I'm only on. I'm only 20 pages in, and I'm already like, you could literally read two or three pages and just sit there and meditate upon that little bit. And she said, he says here rather, uh, there is actually only one person in all of humanity of whom God has one picture, and in whom there is a perfect conformity between what He wanted her to be and what she is, and that is His own mother. Most of us are a minus sign in the sense that we do not fulfill the high hopes of the Heavenly Father for us. But Mary is the equal sign. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Mr. Alan Smith? Yeah, uh, you're quoting from his chapter, A Love Begins with a Dream. But I think what Fulton Sheen did, and I think Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott Hahn also does this in a few of his talks, he talks about how God made his mother. And, you know, I think there's people that will argue about, oh, why are you Catholics so devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Why do you spend so much time on her? And uh, again, the way to box them in, I think, using the scriptures is how Fulton Sheen is saying this in this um, uh, passage that you just read, that, you know, God... Jesus got to create his own mother. And when you think about that, you go, what? Yeah, but you think about it because we say, you know, we believe that Jesus is God, that he's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Uh, but God made all things, the heavens, the earth, all the creatures, everything. And so he pre-existed his mother. He pre-existed her. So he actually got to make his own mother. And so if I got to make my own mother... <laughs> I would have made her a slightly different than the mother that, uh, you know, but um, again, our Lord got to make his own mother. Um, and of course, so she is the most beautiful, uh, the most holy. She is uh, just, <laughs> she's amazing. And again, you have to go back to this. It's that Jesus pre-existed his mother. So he got to make his own mother. And uh, when we dream about, you know, making the perfect woman. Um, that's what Fulton Sheen's saying in this chapter. He's saying, you know, think about this. Uh, our blessed Lord, God too, again, was instrumental in um, helping to make his own mother. So um, it worked out perfectly. Really <laughs> right, <did>. exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's very beautiful to think about that Our Lady, that she was the first thought of God from all eternity. That's exactly what what Fulton Sheen says. And he also goes on to talk about that every man, every man has the image of the perfect woman in his mind. And that's how whenever we see someone, we kind of have this idea, oh, I, I'm in love with this woman that you barely know. And someone, a woman you meet on the street and you talk to her and you realize, I love this woman. He said, how is it possible that you love this woman 
if you just met her, if you don't know her that well, maybe you've got to know her for a week, a month, whatever it is, it's such a short time, how do you know that you love her? Because you have the idea in your mind of the perfect woman, and that is, even if you don't know it, that is the Blessed Virgin. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think what Fulton Sheen does, he says, I want her to be the role model for both men and women, but also to remind us that, you know, our initial reaction uh, to images of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, when people see the image of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Christ child in the manger, our hearts are warmed up. Uh, when we see some of these beautiful renditions, these paintings, uh, these work of art of Our Lady, our hearts are touched. So Fulton Sheen reminds us to say, you know, most people don't have a negative reaction when they see an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, but yet Fulton Sheen says, let me show you her life, what she did, what she said. Of course, in 1945, he wrote a book called The Seven Words of Jesus and Mary, where he just shows us, let me show you how she leads by example. And if we un, you know, we open the scriptures, we'll see how Mary leads by example um, in a very beautiful way. She gives God her yes. And so we too can imitate that and give God our yes. Uh, she has a servant's heart. She visits her cousin Elizabeth. We also can have a servant's heart. And she goes through those difficult times. She watched her son die on the cross, a great agony. Uh, but again, leading by example. So she is that perfect mother that I think we can all emulate, we can all imitate. And uh, again, Fulton Sheen reminds us, uh, you know, do your mother right. Mm -hmm. uh, that great saying, he'd say, don't do anything your mother would be ashamed of. Uh, that is my reminder every day I step out the door. Don't do anything your That's mother good. would be ashamed of. Yeah, I try to I try to keep that in mind. I always don't always succeed, but I try to keep that in mind. Uh, it's interesting though. You you mentioned the has Our Lady as example, and certainly she's an example to all Christians and to all men. Uh, but at the same time, in a more perfect way, I always think of Our Lady as the perfect model of what it means to be a daughter, a wife, and a mother, especially for for women. And then for the men, I always thought about Our Lady as the woman which I want to be worthy of, the woman that I want to be worthy of. And I, obviously I fail miserably, uh, but whenever I think of her, I'm like, okay, what can I do? What must I do to be worthy of such a wonderful woman? And I think that's really the virtue and the, the example that men can take from Our Lady is to say that, and that could reflect to all other women. So I always recommend young ladies when I talk to them, uh, make sure you find a man who loves Our Lady more than he loves you. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Alan? Well, you can get in a lot of trouble saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you can because uh, when the you know the young ladies are are, are being courted, uh, they want your full attention. <laughs> you know, they don't want to have a competing. Um, you know, it's not a competition. Uh, but what you said is so true uh, because if they love Our Lady, uh, they will love you know uh, this woman that's in their lives. It's kind of. Um, they develop a good habit, you know, a holy habit of loving what is holy. And um, again, Fulton Sheen, I go back to his writings all the time where he would say, um, you know, this is where 
um, Our Lady betrays. Um, he'll, she betrays you, and really her mission is to bring you to Jesus. You can fall in love with the Blessed Virgin Mary, but her end game is to bring you to Jesus. And that is what is so true, because if this young man who is courting this young lady, um, you know, loves Our Lady, uh, at the end, they will love Jesus. They will love Jesus, because that's the mission of Our Lady, is to bring everyone, man, woman, and child, uh, to our late to our Lord, and so uh, again, that is the mission. She betrays us, and then she says, "Oh, you can you can love me, but I'm really going to point you to my son, and get you to fall in love with Jesus even more." And so that's the special mission of Our Lady. She's there to bring us to Jesus. Now, the, the talking about the mission between Our Lady and Our Lord, um, the book that you had mentioned just a second ago, the last words uh, or the words between Jesus and Mary, I think is really interesting because. Uh, he, she talks about, and I guess say I say she, but I guess Sheen talks about Our Lady in such a way, talking about perfection and talking about uh, what is the meaning of life. And I think it's very interesting how Sheen understands the meaning of life in the eyes of Mary. Uh, tell me about that, Alan. Right. Again, he he takes the seven times that Our Lady spoke in sacred scripture. Um, I said earlier, he wants to show us that she leads by example. Um, and Fulton Sheen, I love the seven last words. And so he would tie in this, uh, the seven times that uh, Our Lady spoke in scripture and the seven last words and just um, remind us that, um, again, this great sermon from Mount Calvary is to be meditated on each day. But the words of Our Lady are to be pondered too. Uh, the beautiful words when she said to the angel, how could this be? Because I know not man. Uh, there's something beautiful in not knowing. Uh, we need to uh, almost go to what Fulton Sheen calls the University of Unlearning, where we go to the confessional and have the slate wiped clean. Our, Our Lady wants us to be pure. She wants to give God the opportunity to write on a clean slate instead of a, a blackboard full of scribbles. But again, it's this whole idea of look at what she does and what she says and especially at the foot of the cross she was leading uh, by example to say this is god's holy will yes it's painful yes uh, no mother wants to see her son die in, before her eyes but still it was all god's will god's holy will and she always said thy will be done it's uh, this hard hard thing to do it's hard to say yes even in adversity yet our Lady was saying, you know, be it done to me according to thy word. And Amen. sometimes it's it's a tough ending. But she knew that Jesus was completing her mission. And uh, she was, uh, again, there standing at the foot of the cross, supporting him and being a witness. So uh, we need to imitate that, especially in these hard times. Amen. Amen. And I think that's uh, the thing to, to leave upon is the idea when we look at Our Lady what does she do but point us to her son and say, do whatever he tells you. Uh, God bless you, Alan. We'll see you in the after show. But God love you. God bless you. And we're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. If you'd like to be a winner, well, all you have to do is call in 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And we'll see you in just a moment. 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. I was searching for something that seemed to be just one step away. Perfect soulmate, the ideal job, that big adventure. And just when I thought I found what I was missing, I realized that I was never really fulfilled. Then I discovered what I was searching for was really faith in God and belonging to a church. You can find what you've been searching for too. Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling. That number 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. Call now, and you could be the winner. And you may be asking, "What am I going to call into? What's this number?" At number eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. If you call now, you could be a participant in our game show. Now, you may be asking, "What is this?" Well, it's a Catholic trivia game show, and the trick is though that I have. Three Catholic trivia game show questions here. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Tito the questions, which means you don't even need to know the answers. If you don't know anything about Catholic trivia, then I guarantee that you will still have a great chance of getting it right. Why? Because you're going to just see whether or not Tito is right or whether or not Tito is wrong. That means it's a 50-50 chance of you getting each and every question correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling prize for today is a CDT prize pack, which includes a Catholic drive time mug signed by you, Adrian, me, Tito, and Taylor including two books by Fulton Sheen, and they are Seven Last Words and Holy Hour. And you can't win this if you don't play, so please call 877-757-9424. All lines are open as I say this. There you go. There you go. So we always take the first caller. So if you want to be a participant, if you want to have a chance to be a winner, that number 877-757-9424. And, you know, it's not every day we give away a coffee cup, a Divine Providence replica. And this is a, a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, maybe not once-in-a-lifetime. Uh, we have a few more mugs. I think we have, like, seven or eight more mugs left. And then that's it. We're done. We have no more 
coffee cups of divine providence replicas and so if you want to be a have a chance to win that that number 877-757-9424 one last time 877-757-9424 so make sure that you are on top of that and we always take the first caller so if you would like to be a participant uh, make sure that you are on top of it and we'll make sure to have you on. Now, if you are thinking that you cannot get that number out because you're driving, well, the good news is you can always go to our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There, all of our stuff is listed. You can find our information, like, for instance, our phone number is listed there, and all of the information on how to play the game, our email list, all of that is there on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to connect with us. Um, and we got some callers come in uh, that came in this morning, so we'll go to that right now. And Nanuka is calling in from Northern Virginia. Nanuka, did did we just have you on the, just a second ago? Uh, yes, last week. <laughs> last week, last week. Okay, well, praise be to God. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Well, good morning to you, and uh, I'm guessing, let me see, you're off to uh, to work this morning. Remind me uh, where you work. Uh, no, I am retired. I'm off to church. Oh, I'm you're off to, off to church. That's right. That's Even right. better. That's right. Off well, to church than work. There you go. There you go. Well, praise be to God. We, we love it. A great opportunity. I was reading, who was it? I was reading one of the saints was saying, you know, uh, in your in your youth, uh, we get so busy with work, with chores, with being a mom and a dad and all these things, and we can make up for all of our lacking when we get older because then we have more time to dedicate to going to church, to praying, yeah. and to doing the things of the Lord. Uh, do you find that to be true? Yes, definitely. I've always wanted to go to the daily mass, but when I was working, I couldn't. So as soon as I retired, you know, that's what I did. Well, praise be to God. It, praise be to it, God. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Well, Nanunka, you are a veteran. You know how the game is played. And so uh, you know that uh, Tito can, in fact, be tricky. So are you ready to play? I am ready. All right. Let's do it. Just jump into question number one. Okay. I'm ready for this, too. All are right, you, Nanunka. Are you, are you sure, Tito? I, th- I think I am. You have uh, those that all that wisdom you got from turning a year older? Yeah, it's a, it's a crude. <laughs> it's a cr- Oh, it's a crude. Okay, I was thinking... <laughs> A crew. No, no, like, no. Okay, okay. I understand. I <laughs> no, understand now. It's not like the, the J. Crew that Taylor's wearing today. The question on the board What three powers did God give his church? Oh, the three powers that God gave his church? I, right off the top of my head confession, holy orders, and last rites. Wow, that was confident. Yeah, okay. fully confident. Fully confident. Okay, well, there you go, Nanunka. Uh, is his confidence well placed? We're going to find out. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what three powers did God give his church? Tito, very confidently, uh, saying that he's using all the accrued wisdom of his years. (laughs) And he says, it's confession, holy orders, and last rites. What say you, Nanuka, from Northern Virginia? I say that's correct. I know the power to get by. So you're saying... You're saying he is correct. Yes, I'd say he's correct. All right. She's going with correct. Let's see if she's right. 
Oh, oh boy. No, no. Unfortunately, uh, it's not correct. Those are uh, three of the, the seven sacraments, uh, which I guess in, in a sense are, are powers. Uh, but no, in fact, the three powers God gave his church is to teach, to rule, and to sanctify all men in his name. Uh, so the three things are to teach, to rule, and to sanctify uh, so, but uh, that it was a tricky question. That was a tricky question. So I can understand. I probably um, would not have gotten that off the top of my head either. But it's all right. You got two more options. You got two more chances to get in. All righty. All right. Then you're ready for question number two. I am. Then let's do it. Let's you can do, do it, it Nanuka. All right. The question is: Is unworthy reception of a sacrament a sacrilege? Whew, this could be uh, Ooh, this could I, be easy. This could be hard. We'll see. I, I would say yes, but if you're reading America Magazine, you may be confused. <laughs> but I would say yes. Yes, <laughs> or, or many other Jesuitical publications. All right. Avoid Jesuitical publications is what I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. And yes. <laughs> and, and yes, and the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, no? Yeah. yeah, I'll refrain from that. No. Oh, okay, okay. Clear, <laughs> clear as mud. Clear, clear as, as mud. mud. All right. The question is, Nunca, 15 seconds on the clock. Is unworthy reception of a sacrament a sacrilege? Tito says, yeah, of course it is. Uh, what say you, Nunca? I would say he is right. You say he is right. He's going with, she's going with correct. We'll see. Well, that is correct. Way to go, Nanuka. Oh, yes. Outstanding. It is, in fact, a sacrilege to unworthily receive the sacraments, any of the sacraments. The most obvious one is the Holy Eucharist, but that includes, like, getting married, being confirmed, being ordained. All the sacraments, we have to be worthy to receive them, yes. meaning not in a state of mortal sin. Obviously, confession, um, that's okay, because the whole point is... To confess. Get, get, yeah, to yeah. confess that. But otherwise, yes, you don't want to be in a state of mortal sin before your, your wedding, before your confirmation, all those things. Definitely want to be in a state of grace. Uh, so way to go. That's uh, one out of two. That's a 50% success rate. So yeah. your name is in the coffee cup of divine providence. We've se seen people win with less. So way to go. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right. Here's question number three. Okay. Okay. Name. The three sacraments of initiation. The three sacraments of initiation, of course, you need to get baptized, you need to get confirmed, and then Holy Communion. Holy First Communion. communion. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Hmm. The three hmm. sacraments of initiation. All right. All right. Well, there you go, folks. 15 seconds on the clock. Nanunka, the question on the board. Name the three sacraments of initiation. Well, Tito seems to think that it's baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist. What say you, Nanunka? 15 seconds on the clock. I, um, I, I know baptism. So what do you, what is your final answer? I would say is correct. She's going to go with correct. Well, we'll see. We're, oh, uh, boy. survey says.
That Whoa. is correct. Way to go, Nanuka. That is correct. It is baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist. Uh, baptism, confirmation are definitely those. In the, in the East, they actually give you baptism, confirmation at the same time. And uh, so that's uh, typically done. And then Eucharist, you know, you're being welcomed into communion. So there you go. Uh, many people will refer to it as first communion is a sacrament of initiation, but uh, first communion is not really a sacrament. It's just communion is a sacrament. The first time is just the first time. <laughs> One time <laughs> So there only. you go. Yep. Um, but there you go, Nanunka. Congratulations. You're a two for two. That is uh, two times in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. How do you feel? I'm I would have preferred three for three, but two for three. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time. Maybe next time uh, we'll, get a, we'll get a threefer. Uh, but God bless you, Nanuka. Stay on the line. We'll, we'll get your contact information. But have a blessed day and uh, say a little prayer for us at Holy Mass. I, I will, for sure. Thank you very much. I'm going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. We're going to be talking about all sorts of things. I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the saint of the day a little bit more. I thought it was a really interesting story, so uh, maybe we'll have time to talk about that. But there is a lot going on in the chat, and so we'd probably go over that as well. Um, our friend White Wolf says, Adrian, I lost respect for you. Well, we're going to find out why in the after show. So hop on with us in the after show. We'll discuss uh, how do you do so. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, or Twitter. And we'll interact with you directly. So hop on with us and we'll talk to you directly. If not, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you very soon. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate... Thursday of the 14th week in Ordinary Time, the Memorial of St. Henry. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Alleluia, sing to Jesus, he's the scepter, he's the throne. Alleluia, he's 
is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, hath redeemed us by his blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Henry who lived in the 900s and 1000s, grew up with his father, the Duke of Bavaria. During his 20s, he succeeded his father as Duke of Bavaria and then became King of, the, of Germany and King of Italy. At 40, he was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor. He spent much of his life in military campaigns to strengthen his rule and to aid his allies, who included the Pope. His wife, Cunegunda, also has been canonized a saint. They had no children, and some say that they had both vowed virginity. St. Henry promoted the interest of the church, promoted reform in the church, in the clergy, in the monasteries, uh, promoted missionary activity, was caring to the poor. He died of an illness on this day in the year 1024. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, Forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. O God, whose abundant grace prepared St. Henry to be raised by you in a wonderful way from the cares of earthly rule to heavenly realms, grant, we pray, through his intercession, that amid the uncertainties of this world we may hasten towards you with minds made pure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. Judah approached Joseph and said, I beg you, my Lord, let your servant speak earnestly to my Lord, and do not become angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. 
My Lord, ask your servants, have you a father or another brother? So we said to my Lord, we have an aged father and a young brother, the child of his old age. This one's full brother is dead. And since he is the only one by that mother who is left, his father thoughts on him. Then you told your servants, bring him down to me that my eyes may look on him. Unless your youngest brother come, comes back with you, you shall not come into my presence again. When we returned to your servant, our father, we reported to him the words of my Lord. Later, our father told us to come back and buy some food for the family. So we remind him, we cannot go down there. Only if our youngest brother is with us can we go. For we may not see the man if our younger brother is not with us. Then your servant, our father, said to us, As you know, my wife bore me two sons. One of them, however, disappeared, and I had to conclude that he must have been torn to pieces by a wild beast. I have not seen him since. If you now take this one away from me too, and some disasters befalls him, you will send my white head down to the netherworld in grief. Joseph could not longer control himself in the presence of all the attendants, so he cried out, Have everyone withdraw from me. Thus no one else was about when he made himself known to his brothers. But his sobs were so loud that the Egyptians heard him, and saw the news reach Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still in good health? But his brothers could give him no answer, so dumbfounded were they at him. Come closer to me, he told his brothers. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you once sold into Egypt, but now do not be distressed and do not reproach yourself for having sold me here. It was really for the sake of saving lives that God sent me here ahead of you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. When the Lord called down the famine on the land and ruined the crop that sustained them, he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. Remember, Remember the marvels the, the Lord has done. They had weighted him down with fetters, and he was bound with chains, till his prediction came to pass, and the word of the Lord proved him true. Remember, Remember the, the marvels the Lord has done. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Remember, Remember the, the marvels the Lord has done. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. 
kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts, no sack for the journey, or a second tunic, or sandals, or walking stick. The laborer deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it, and stay there until you leave. As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We hear our Lord Jesus sending his disciples on a practice mission. While he is even in the midst of his earthly ministry, he's getting them ready for what they will soon enough be doing. And we notice that he tells them to take practically nothing on their journey. You and I surely would not pack this way for a trip. We might wonder, first of all, why, why was he doing this? How could he send them with nothing? Except he was sending them with a lot. He was sending them with good news to share. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we hear he was giving them authority to, to cure miraculously and to set free from demonic oppression. And that was a great gift. And as they went carrying very little physically, this set them up to then encounter people, to not be held back by their possessions, but to need to ask them for hospitality, and so to be better able to pass on these gifts that they had been given. You and I have been given gifts as well. And how important it is to not just recognize the physical, material things that we have, but the spiritual things the Lord has entrusted to us. Things that are, in fact, remarkable, even miraculous, as we interact with others in their lives. Truths that we know, gifts that we have to give. One of those gifts we see, in a way, foreshadowing in our first reading. We're hearing the story of Joseph. And it, it could be worth it if you have some time to go and read the entire story. We're hearing just bits of it in the lectionary. Turn to chapter 37 in the book of Genesis. You'll skip 38 and then continue on in 39 in the chapters following. We remember that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers because of their envy of him. And now many years later, after many things have happened, there he is, number two in the land of Egypt. And they have come to him, not realizing it is him, to seek food in a time of famine. And he's been testing them to see whether they have changed. And in this, in this reading we hear, he discovers they have changed. Because Judah, in some verses that get omitted here, he says, look, 
We cannot let you hold our youngest brother Benjamin captive. In fact, hold me instead so that Benjamin can go back home. And then Joseph knows that his brothers have changed. There's been the conversion of heart. Maybe you have experienced a conversion in your own heart. And you are a walking wonder for the change the Lord has made in you. But then we see that Joseph forgives his brothers. And naturally they're afraid, thinking that he will take vengeance on him after all these years. We hear him speak, and we will hear him on Saturday speak even more clearly. As he says, Even though you meant harm to me, God meant it for good to achieve his present end, the survival of many people. This too is a gift that perhaps you have received. Seeing the Lord work in your life, seeing how even things that someone else may have meant for harm, God used for good. And so you are then in a position even more so to give that wondrous gift Joseph gave to his brothers of forgiveness. And how powerful that is in our own hearts when we forgive, and in the hearts of others when we forgive them, giving them, pre pe giving them peace, bringing an end to ongoing violence and hatred, making real change. The Lord perhaps has not given you all the material things you might want, but consider what he has given you and be ready to share those things with others because they need them from you and you need to share them. Let us entrust to the Lord our desires and the needs of all people. That the Lord may grant that the work of missionaries may yield abundant fruit. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That God may grant that hatred may disappear from the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the Lord may protect the elderly and give aid to the persecuted. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That God may grant eternal glory to our deceased brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That during this day we may discover the presence of God in small things and in great. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, strength of those who hope in you, we ask that you hear our petitions. And since we are weak and without you we can do nothing, grant us the help for which we have asked through Christ our Lord. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee.
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Through the present oblation, O Lord, which we offer in commemoration of blessed Henry, bestow on your faithful, we pray, the gifts of unity and peace. Through Christ our Lord, The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your true church fruitful with strength ever new and offer us sure signs of your love, and that your saving mysteries may be fulfilled. Their great example lends us courage. Their fervent prayers sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celia terra, gloria tua, o sana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, o sana in You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, 
and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not worthy that Thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive Thee, the bridegroom of my soul, no more by sin to grieve Thee, or fly Thy sweet control. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. May the sacrament we have received, O Lord, in commemoration of blessed Henry, sanctify our minds and hearts, that we may merit to be made sharers in the divine nature. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Now, mighty God, bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Blake Pellerin from Arrows Rugby, Houston's only